Chapter 11 of Talents Incorporated by Murray Leinster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Talents Incorporated, Chapter 11. The news as Bors got it from the men of Deccan was remarkable for two reasons that so much of it was true, and that all of it was glamorized and romanticized and garbled. It was astonishing to find any relation at all between such fabulously romantic tales and the facts, because there was no way for news to travel between solar systems except on ships, and no ships had carried stories like these. Here on Deccan the shining-eyed young man knew that Bors had landed on Tralee and on Garin. They knew that there was a fleet in being which had fought and annihilated a Mekinese task force many times its size. To the captain their knowledge was undiluted catastrophe. They admired Bors because they believed he commanded that fleet, which he now had in hiding while he flashed splendidly about the subjugated worlds, performing prodigious feats of valor and destruction, half pirate and half hero. The story had it that he'd been driven from his native Tralee by the invaders, and that now he fought Meekin in magnificent knight-errantry, and that it was he who'd set alight the flame of rebellion on so many worlds. Bors listened and was numbed. He heard references to the fight off Meriden, and the temporary escape of one of his enemies, and that he'd pursued it to the solar system of Meekin itself and there destroyed it while Meekin watched, helpless to interfere. The distortion of facts was astounding, but the mere existence of facts at this distance was impossible. Then Bors found himself thinking that these tales sounded like fantasies or daydreams, and he went white. Just before he left the fleet he talked to a fat woman and a scowling man, who, together, made up the Talents Incorporated brand-new Department for Disseminating Truthful, Seditious Rumors, so that rumors of a high degree of detail got started, nobody knew how. If such rumors spread and everybody heard them, nobody would doubt them. It was appallingly probable that the fighting on Cassus and Avino and Deccan had no greater justification in reason than that an enormously fat woman romantically pictured such things as resulting from the daring-do of one Captain Bors, of whom she thought sentimentally and glamorously and without much discrimination. But she daydreamed about the fleet, too, and that it had destroyed a Meekany squadron many times its size. He heard the leader of the young men from Deccan speaking humorously. "'Your revolt, sir,' he told Bors, "'is spreading everywhere. On Sela, sir, there are great spaceship yards, where they build craft for the Mekinese Navy. Not long ago they finished one, and it went out to space for a trial run. It didn't come back. Sabotage. Everybody knew it. The Mekinese raged. A little while later they finished another ship.' But the Mekinese were smart. They sent it off for its trial run with only Sealands on board. If there were sabotage this time, it wouldn't be Mekinese who died in space. But that ship didn't come back either. It touched down here, sir, three weeks ago, 
and we supplied it with food and missiles and some of us joined it. It went off to try to find you." "'I'd better go after it,' said Bors, dry-throated. "'It could blunder into trouble. At best—' The youthful leader of Deccan's revolt grinned widely. "'It's got plenty of missiles,' he told Bors. "'It can take care of itself. And it has plenty of food. We even gave them target balloons to practice launching missiles on. We've been storing up missiles to lay an ambush for a Mekini squadron if one comes by. A lot of us joined the ship, though.' "'In any case,' said Bors, with the feel of ashes in his throat, "'I'll track it down so it can join the fleet.' He could not bring himself to tell these confident and admiring young men that there was no hope and never had been, that the tales of his achievements were only partly true, and that they popped into people's minds because a very fat woman far away indulged in daydreams and fantasies. They wouldn't have understood. If they had, they wouldn't have believed. He found that he savagely resisted the conviction himself but there was no other way for such garbled tales with such a substratum of fact to be spread among the stars. And whoever spread them knew of events up to the last news sent back by Bors, but nothing after that. Undoubtedly, Talents Incorporated's Department for Disseminating Truthful Seditious Rumors had been at work on Meekin, but the damage done elsewhere was a thousand times greater than any benefit done there. It was too late to repair the damage, here or anywhere else. This planet and all the rest were far too committed to rebellion ever to be forgiven by Meekin. Meekin would take revenge. It was not pleasant to think about. So the Horus departed, and traveled in high-speed overdrive for ship days, seemingly without end, toward Glamis. It knew nothing that happened outside its own cocoon of overdrive field. It knew nothing of any of the thousands of myriads of stars, whose planetary systems offered unlimited room for humanity to live in freedom and without fear. During the journey, Bors only endured being alive. All this disaster was ultimately his fault. The fleet's survival was due to his work with Talents Incorporated. The raids of a single ship, which now would have such disastrous results, were the fruits of his suggestion the consequence of his actions. Talents Incorporated was involved, to be sure, but only because he'd allowed it to be. He should have realized that Madame Porvis would work havoc, if her talent was as described. No mere romantic daydreamer would fashion fantasies with military secrecies in mind and security as a principle. Everything was betrayed. Everything was ruined. And if he, Bors, had only been properly skeptical, the fleet would have been destroyed, and Kandar now occupied by the Mekinese, doomed to servitude, but not necessarily to annihilation, and other worlds would also be safely servile. They'd still be resentful, and they'd bitterly hate Mekin, but they would not have before them the monstrous vengeance now in store. Bors, in fact, felt guilty because he was still alive. There was only one small thing he could still try to set aright. He could insist that Morgan take Gwenlyn far away from the dangerous possibility that Meekin might somehow find her. 
he had to make Morgan see the need for it. If necessary, he would convince King Humphrey that a royal order must be issued to send the Silva light centuries away, before the Mekinese Empire began to restore itself to devastated calm, if that process hadn't already begun. Meekin had its grand fleet assembled and ready. If convincing and unfortunately truthful rumors ran about Meekin, as elsewhere, concerning the fleet and Bors's attempts to hide it, then their dictator need only give a single order and the grand fleet would lift off. When it found Kandar unoccupied, it would leave Kandar dead. Then it would seek out the fleet and destroy it and then it would move from one to another of its rebellious tributaries and take revenge upon them. And Bors could only hope to salvage the life of one girl from the wreckage of everything that human beings prefer to believe in. He could only hope to send Gwenlin away, if he was not already too late. The Horus broke out into normal space twelve days after leaving Deccan. The untrustworthy son of Glamis still shone brightly. The inner planet revolved about it with one side glowing low red heat and the other side piled high with frozen atmosphere. The useless outer planet remained a lush green, save for its seas, and the fleet still circled it from pole to pole. Bors had himself ferried to the flagship by spaceboat, because what he had to report was too disheartening to be spoken where all the fleet might hear. Gwenlin met him at the flagship's airlock. She looked very glad, as if she'd been uneasy about him. "'Call for a boat,' Bors commanded her curtly, "'to take you to the Silva. Go on board with anybody else who belongs on it. Your father, anybody. I'm going to ask the king to insist that the Silva get away from here fast, before the Mekinese turn up.' Gwenlin shook her head, her eyes searching his face. "'The Silva's not here.' It's gone to Kandar as a sort of dispatch boat. Bors groaned. Then I'll try to get another ship assigned to take you away, he said formidably. Maybe one of the captured cargo ships I sent back. No, said Gwenlin. They're going to be released. They'll go to Meekin, and we couldn't go there. Bors groaned again. Then he said savagely, Wait here for me. I'll arrange something as soon as I've seen the king. He strode down the corridor to King Humphrey's cabin. A sentry came to attention. Bors passed through the door. The king and half a dozen of the top-ranking officers of the fleet were listening apathetically to Morgan, at once vexed and positive and uncertain. "'But you can't ignore it,' protested Morgan. I don't understand it either, but you'll agree that since my precognizer said no ship but Bors's is coming here, and he precognized every one of the prizes before they arrived, you'll concede that the Mekinese aren't coming here, so you're going out to meet them. He saw Bors and breathed an audible sigh of relief. Bors, he said in a changed tone, I'm glad you're back. Bors said grimly, "'Majesty, I've very bad news.' King Humphrey shrugged. He spoke in a listless voice. "'I doubt it differs from ours. You captured a passenger liner off Macon, you will remember. You sent it here. 
When it arrived, we found that all its passengers knew that Kandar was not occupied, and that the fleet sent to capture it had not reported back. My news is worse, said Bors. The continued existence of our fleet, and the fact that it defeated a Mekinese force, is common knowledge on at least five planets, all of them now in revolt against Mekin. The king's expression had reached the limit of reaction to disaster. It did not change. He looked almost apathetic. Makin, he said dully, sent a second squadron to Kandar to investigate the rumors of defeat. We have a very tiny force there, three ships. Of course, our ships won't attack the Mekinese, but they might as well. Knowing that we destroyed their first fleet, and that we still live, Mekin will assuredly retaliate. And not only on Kandar, said Bors, on Tralee, and Garin, and Cassus, and Meriden. Morgan interrupted. Majesty, all this is more reason to listen to me. I've been telling you that all my talents agree. King Humphrey interrupted tonelessly. We've made our final arrangements, Bors. We are going to release the cargo ships and the passenger ship you sent us. We will use them as messengers. We are going to send a message of surrender to Meekin." Bors swallowed. His most dismal forebodings had produced nothing more hopeless than this moment. "'Majesty, we have to sacrifice,' said the king in a leaden voice, "'not only our lives, but our self-respect, to try to gain something less than the total annihilation of Kandar. We shall tell the Mekinese that we will return to Kandar and form up in space. If they send a small force to accept our surrender, they shall have it. If they prefer to destroy us, they can do that also. But we submit ourselves to punishment for having resisted the original fleet. We admit our guilt, and we beg, Meekin, not to avenge that resistance upon our people, who are not guilty. Bors tried to speak, and could not. There was a sodden, utterly unresilient stillness in the room, as if all the high officers of the fleet were corpses, and the king himself, though he spoke, was not less dead. Then Morgan moved decisively. He moved away from the spot where he had been engaged in impassioned argument. He took Bors by the arm and hustled him through the door. "'Come along,' he said urgently. Something's got to be done. You have the knack of thinking of things to do. The King's intentions—' The door closed behind him, and he broke off. He wiped sweat from his forehead with one hand, while he thrust Bors on with the other. They came to a cabin evidently assigned to him. Gwendolen waited there. "'Craziness!' said Morgan bitterly. "'Craziness!' I get the finest group of talents that ever existed. I teach them to think. I instruct them. And they can't think of what is going to happen. And everything depends on it. Everything!" "'When will the Silva be back?' demanded Bors. Morgan automatically looked at his watch. Gwendolen opened her mouth to speak. Morgan shook his head impatiently. Gwendolen was silent. My ship-arrival talents with the Silva," said Morgan harassedly. 
we sent him to Kandar to find out if the Mekanese fleet's coming there, and when. It wasn't coming here. He said so." "'It'll go to Kandar,' said Bors bitterly, "'to destroy it. I imagine we'll go there, too, to be destroyed.' "'But it's insane!' protested Morgan. "'Look, you captured a passenger ship off Meekin, right?' Yes. You sent it here with all its passengers, right? Yes. One of the passengers said he was a clairvoyant. Ha! Morgan expressed the ultimate of disgust. He was a fortune-teller. He didn't know there was anything better than that. A fortune-teller. But he's a talent. He's a born charlatan. But he's an authentic talent and he doesn't know what that is. He thinks predictions as Madame Porvis thinks scandals, and they're just as crazy. But he is a talent, and they have to be right." Bohr said, "'You're going to take Gwendolyn away from here, and fast.' Morgan paid no attention. He was embittered and agitated, and in particular he was frustrated. "'It's all madness!' he protested almost hysterically. Here we've got a firm precognition that King Humphrey's going to open Parliament on Kandar next year. And there's another one. Gwendolyn said quickly, Which you won't tell. Which I won't tell. But something's got to happen. Something's got to be done. And this crazy talent gives me a crazy precognition and looks proud because I can't make sense of it. What the hell can you make out of a precognition that Meekin will be defeated when an enemy fleet submits to destruction, lying still in space? There's no sense to it. My talents wouldn't think of anything idiotic like that. They've got better sense. But when this lunatic said it, they could precognize it, too. It's so. They couldn't think of it themselves, but when this Meekinese talent does, they know it's true. But. It can't be!" Bohr said coldly, "'The fleet's going to be destroyed, certainly, if that will defeat Meekin. But Gwendolyn is not to stay aboard to be destroyed with it. How are you going to get her away?' "'The King's waiting for the Silva to come back,' Morgan said indignantly. "'So he'll know. My ship-arrival talent went to find out. If the Meekin fleet's going to Kandar, and when?' He insists that if they know the fleet exists, they know where it is and will come here looking for it. But Madame Porvis couldn't have told that in her daydreaming. She didn't know what planet was circling. She couldn't have spread that fact by contagion. She spread plenty more, said Bors. Her daydreams were too damn true. Gwendolyn said, it's a contradiction in terms for a fleet to win a battle by letting itself be destroyed. Perhaps the captain—' "'It's also a contradiction in terms,' said Bors bitterly, "'for all our troubles to come because we won a victory. Now we regret that we weren't all killed. But it's madness for the king to propose to get us all slaughtered in hope of rousing the Mekinese better nature.' "'Maybe you can resolve it, captain.' said Gwendolyn thoughtfully. Could it be that it isn't a contradiction, but only a paradox?" Bohr spread his hands helplessly. 
of all times and circumstances this particular moment and situation seemed the least occasion for quibbling over words. Then he said, Yes, it could be a paradox. If this prediction by that wild talent is true, there is a way it could win a fight. I don't believe it, but I'm going to put something in motion. Nothing can make matters worse." He turned and strode back to the council-room, where King Humphrey and the high commanders of his fleet sat like dead men, waiting for the moment to be killed, to no purpose. End of chapter 11